What's going on, everybody? This is Sean of Raw Select Music. And this is the Super Sunny Show. I'm La Molly. This is Blue and Green Radio. Hello and welcome along to this month's edition of the Music for Modern Living Radio Show, right here on Blue and Green Radio. You're locked in with me, Nigel Gentry. Confessions of a curly mind. Blue and Green Radio. You're listening to Steve Williams at UK5.org. Welcome to the Blue and Green Sessions. Ride the vibe with DJ Ronnie Ron. Twisted Souls. You're listening to the Blue and Green Podcast. And I hope you enjoy what we are going to say. Blueandgreenradio.com Howdy gang, you are my friends, tuned in to episode 40 of the Blue In Green podcast. Thank you very much for tuning in. My name's Imran, we have an excellent show uh, for you today, I think as we always do, I think that's fair to say. Uh, A quick shout out to episode 39's guests, uh, Vincent Helbers, aka Sarah Vince, uh, and Lima, who uh, was was such a great episode, I really, really enjoyed uh, talking to those guys, Um, and uh, we discussed their wonderful new project junk love which came out late 2019 such a cool project really really cool to be able to talk to them uh about it as well so uh yeah i just want to give a very quick shout out and thanks to those uh wonderful musicians and a quick shout out to uh, episodes 38 guest who we are revisiting today we spoke to Rui Fredino uh, the creator of Eclectic Beats the Eclectic Beats radio show um, and um, it's the whole host uh, incredible accolades attached to his name we spoke to him uh, a couple of episodes ago and <laughs> it was initially envisaged as a single conversation but we had so much to talk about and um, we, you know we ended that and I thought well hey let's you fancy talking again because we didn't even get to talk about his radio show we spoke about episode 38 was really about Rui's journey to London um you know uh, what got him into music what got him into broken beat what happened when he got here we talked about some of those incredible uh, monumental uh, moments of his career uh, including uh, ho- uh, uh, playing at the uh, We Out Here Festival uh, as well, and uh, we didn't even get to talk about the Eclectic Beats radio show, so I asked him if he'd like to come back, and he said yes, which was great. So we spent uh, a long time, about an hour, talking about the Eclectic Beats radio show, and then when that finished, I thought, hey, we didn't even get to talk about your uh, upcoming record label, and uh, some of the music that you've produced and remixed, and what you have plans for a label, and I think that is a really interesting conversation bearing in mind a lot of the things that we discuss in the episode today we talk about uh music in the contemporary context how people consume music which is very much a running theme for this podcast i'm bizarrely fascinated by it i don't there's no wrong answer um well, if you're just a straight-up bootlegger, that's probably <laughs> not what we're trying to promote. However, you know, I'm someone I purchase uh, uh, a lot. Uh, well, I try to rein it in. I'm doing okay. Uh, but I purchase, and um, I'm always intrigued by how people consume their music. So uh, I'm not a streamer, for example, and I, I think I'm, I'm too obsessive a person because you don't own anything. You don't have a tangible product. Anyway... Uh, this has been discussed in so many episodes with so many people, so I, I, I just I find it really fascinating. So we had that conversation uh, with Rui about how he consumes music as a fan, but I think that there's a really great conversation to be had as 
someone who is starting his own label and how he has to consider um, things like Spotify, how he has to consider a streaming uh, demographic, a streaming audience uh, in relation to being a a complete vinyl junkie um, and uh, I think that's an interesting third conversation so at the time of me recording this that conversation is in the diary and uh, we'll very much hope to be unveiling part three of uh, my conversation with Rui uh, in March uh, 2020 so that's uh, yeah that'll be really really good uh, this episode is equally great because I, I guess the bulk of what we discuss is really the Eclectic Beats radio show but again we veer off into streaming conversations and things like that as well so it's well worth your time checking out I think it's very very cool uh, huge thanks as always to the brilliant Rui for uh, taking the time because um, yeah <laughs> I'm taking up a lot of his time uh, at the moment but uh, I think it's um, yeah I think it's a good conversation so yeah I hope you guys enjoy it as well a uh, quick reminder that um, these podcasts, of course, run in conjunction with the online inter- on with the online independent and internet radio station Blue In Green Radio. You can catch us on the TuneIn Radio app. You can hear us almost anywhere. You can get a dig- um, uh, internet radio. Really, uh, you can visit us at our homepage as well: www.blueingreenradio.com. Um, you can find a whole host of articles and interviews and. Um, uh, the complete episode, back, the complete back catalogue of these podcasts as well. You'll find uh, there for your listening pleasure, uh, as well as our radio stream. So we'd love for you to check us out. Uh, greatly appreciate any time that you give us. Um, regular listeners will know that each podcast episode features uh, two songs. I have the luxury of picking the opening number, and our guest picks the closing one. So uh, for my opening number. Uh, I'm, I'm, yeah, super excited about the selection today. We're picking uh, a track from the wonderful NJDC record label based in France. Uh, they have some really wonderful music, great independent label. I'd urge you to check them out at their Bandcamp page. And uh, I'm picking uh, a song that they collaborated with Rui on. So this is Mayomi Marino and uh, Conga Con Rumba. There is a four-track. Can we say EP? I think we could say EP. It's a four-track. Uh, EP uh, of this release. Uh, there's the original version included as well as three remixes, uh, one of which by uh, Rui Fredino. So we're going to play uh, the Congo Con uh, Rumba Fredino Broken Con Rumba remix by Mayomi Marino. Uh, it's such a great tune and then we'll go straight to our conversation with Rui. Thanks very much friends, hope you enjoy the show. Para usar, en Belén va, para usar, sentimiento
hearing uh, the first part of the interview was was yeah. um, was awesome because oh, you brilliant. know huge smile on my face because you know every every time I talk about my past I get that I guess everyone gets that everyone gets um memories so to speak you know mm. and those were memories so yeah that's it that's, that's excellent. what I want to say Thank you. I'm I'm happy you enjoyed it. I'm happy you were uh, uh, happy. I mean, I I enjoyed it. There was so much stuff that you talked about. And I've um, I've re listened to it twice or three times already. (laughs) (laughs) Am I I a very egotistical person? (laughs) I don't think so. No, not at all. It's interesting doing something like this because you, you, you do get to talk to a lot of people about about music which is the thing that i'm most passionate about and usually this these interviews are about talking to people whether they're djs or musicians who are really really passionate well i guess it's not it's not easy to um to realize that you're you know you're in that moment um yeah i think i think my radio experience and um you know um i sometimes do a bit of vlogging as well on my instagram it's not vlogging but it's still silly videos where i talk to the camera yeah in the style of vlogging and um once you 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 make a couple of those then you you start to to get that awareness that sense of how do you sound and how do you look to to the online world so to speak so yeah i think it's it's never easy. It's never easy for people that are, don't have that experience to, yeah, I'm really excited to be interviewed, but then you're on the moment and you're, oh, oh, what am I, oh, what am I going to say? Yeah, and exactly. Get, oh, cool. you know? Yeah. But anyway, it's always, well, it's I'm not for like, me. I talk too much. <laughs> i don't think that's true at all i i think it was you know like i think the word that, that you used a couple of times as well was just passion and i think we're talking about your your past and your connection to the music that you've uh that has come to be such a huge part of your life and i, I don't think anyone could talk too much when it comes to, to, to things like that and i think it's really it's yeah, great so i really enjoyed it learned a lot so it's super Thank cool so I guess the biggest difference, I guess now is last week when we spoke, your opening words were, "I'm in the the sunny Al- I'm in the Algarve with the beautiful sunshine <laughs> on my face." I, you're not there now, right? <laughs> yeah. I'm in the I'm in I'm in the UK in London yeah. with um with a, a grey foggy weather on my face. Yeah, how does that yeah. sound? I mean, it's practically a storm out there where I am at the moment. Like it's, I've had oh, really? other people's bins in my garden from the wind wow. last night. It's blown things all over the place. So yeah, I can imagine where you'd like to be right now again. But, but <laughs> to be honest, uh, to be honest, Imran, um, I'm super excited to be back as well because um, it's here where I have all my records. So I'm sitting surrounded right. by my records. And I'm um, looking at my keyboard and speakers as well. I've got four remixes due uh, that I will work on uh, after Wonderful. we finish this interview. So I am really, really, really excited uh, because, because you know, my, my passion. And despite the fact that I still need to master my craft when it comes to mixing and EQing my own tracks and remixes, I'm, I'm always so excited to just lay my hands on on the keyboards and drum pads along with the stems and do my own version of things. And, uh, mm. uh, I can, I can, I mean, I don't mind disclosing it, but I'm remixing, um, right now I'm mixing, I'm remixing, um, 
um, two more tracks for modern jazz dance classics. Oh, brilliant. Um, yes, so that's four remixes in total. The first two ones are ready. The first one was released. The second one will be released probably February or March, I think. And then the other two will follow. But in the meantime, I've also got I've also got um, uh, David Borsu, a Belgian producer that released on uh, T Roy's Broadside, and right. I'm remixing I'm remixing a track. Uh, it was meant to be finished uh, mid December, but because I had um, a lot of earwax on my left ear due to having two colds in the space of a month and a half, oh, the place I was working previously had a lot of air conditioning, so it helped. But also, it's burning the, the candle at, at all ends, you know. Uh, yeah. Uh, there is, you, you need to be a, a bit aware of that fine line of that passion between when it's passion and when your body's screaming yes. for rest and you don't hear it. You just yeah. carry on. And that's me, yeah. <laughs> you know. <clears throat> but yes, I'm really excited to be back. Um, Wonderful. You know, but you, actually, you mentioned the, um, the MJDC label. That is... It's funny you should say that because, uh, as you know, we played two songs on the podcast and I opened with a, a For Hero one on our last chat. Yeah. But the one I'm opening yeah. with this week is going to be your mix of the Conga Con Romba track. Because oh, it's a great track. What a oh, wonderful really mix. Like I love yeah. that, man. I love that. And it's, um, I have to say as well, you know, um, maybe this is this is pseudo humbleness or something. I don't think it's a, a wicked remix because it's kind of it's almost a um complete bootleg of i basically got the stems and whenever i'm remixing i always try to respect the original as much and right. keep try to keep the elements and structure of the original you see um yeah. although remixing has different flavors i guess you can completely um change whatever the original is but i feel that this remix this remix was quite simple well in a way because it's a latin jazz tune and it's very very random uh time um, tempo wise Hmm. so it it took me a long time to um to warp all the stems to the beat in ableton but then all i've added was my own drums on top of it some keys here and there doubled the, the vocals and you know just put some delay effects and and there you go but yeah, I'm really happy as well because it's it's Latin jazz, man, and you know yeah. I love Latin jazz as well. Um, I think it's it's Latin America and Brazil. They've they've got this warmth in music that you just feel. I don't know. I feel smiley. I feel summery every time I listen to anything Latin, and that yeah. my my own track is is the original is already wicked. You know, I was very nervous to be asked to remix that, but. Uh, then I asked, uh, can I make a Broken Beat remix? And um, MJDC label owner said, that's exactly what I had in mind, so go for it. And that's why exactly why I contacted you. You know, So all those four remixes are going to be Broken Beat ones. Um, you could discuss if it's Broken Beat, if it's not. Um, I don't know. I, I consider that to be Broken Beat because for me, Broken Beat is a lot of things. And as, um, as my, my friend Arup Roy told me as well, for him, broken beat is kind of um, is a philosophy because you know um, within the broken beat universe, you've got producers that came from different backgrounds, from breakbeat, from hip hop, from drum and bass, from 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 jungle, from UK garage, mm. you know. And for me, 
obviously Broken Beat is is all of that, but more specifically is what is Broken Beat, which is a four by four um, structured genre that is syncopated and blends. It's a melting pot of all all the um, all the subgenres or main genres that I love, which is jazz, soul, funk, Latin, Afro, Brazilian, and global. Not to use the world the world music. <laughs> I need to change my 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 radio show ID, by the way, because I haven't yet. It's still world instead right, of global. Right, of course, yeah. <laughs> but that's and we're discussing your radio show, though. I mean, that's a nice segue, actually. I mean, eclectic beats. We we kind of talked a, very briefly about it last time, but yeah. it's very much a celebration of the styles of music that you just mentioned. You know, I mean, broken beat, I guess, is the overarching theme, maybe the the unifying genre between everything that you discussed. But I mean, h- how long have you been? Has eclectic beats been going? It has been going for a couple of years now, maybe three years. Is that right? Yes, um, I think it's it's um, two years. It's going to be two years now on the thirteenth oh. of February, which is also okay. My, which is also my birthday. It's my birthday oh. as well. Congratulations! So the first show, the first thank you. The first show was um, is going to be my forty five, and I feel young. Anyway, wow! Um, <laughs> it was almost two years ago at Back to Back FM, um, and the story of that. Uh, you know, London, as we've spoken on the part one of the interview, London, getting busy, finishing my degree, getting jobs here and there, you know, going up the, the professional career ladder, blah, blah, blah. And then more recent, in more recent times, I think um, the invitation to make a show at Back to Back FM two years ago was actually the biggest driving force. I need to thank my friend Del Salerio, who was... Um, he's a huge um, salsa and Latin music lover as well. So he had a show there Mm. and he was also in charge of programming. And I think they had a broken beat slot uh, filled in by a DJ on Mondays from 6 till 8 PM. So um, I think he was leaving to another radio station or he couldn't do the radio show anymore. So Del Salerio uh, went on Mixcloud and typed in the, the, the word broken beat. And it came up, my profile came up, obviously. <laughs> and um, he listened to my couple of my mixes and messaged me straight away saying, Hey, Rui, um, my name is Del, and uh, I'm um, programming, helping with the programming at Back to Back FM. And um, I just saw your mixes and your profile, and I saw that you're a broken beat lover. Do you want to come to Back to Back FM? We've got a slot opening uh, every Monday. Uh, from 6 p.m. till 8 p.m. Do you want to do a Broken Beat show? And I was like, yeah, actually I do. So, you know, it would be a chance to connecting the dots from the part one interview where I say that I was a little bit disappointed with London because I wasn't getting gigs and I wasn't being involved with music. You know, this was this was um, a breath of fresh air, so to, so to speak, you know, and mm-hmm. um there I was all excited and I made my own jingle and everything, you know? Um, and, um, and, um, I started broadcasting there for six months and, um, let me tell you the, the concept of my show and hence the reason why I've got, I've got, um, those seven subgenres or sub flavors of broken beat or whenever I go into my welcome to eclectic beats flight, um, role play, right. my radio show. Yeah. Um, those are the seven 
continents of Planet Broken Beat, you know. <laughs> so I came nice. up with the idea to call it Eclectic Beat because I think, you know, um, again, pulling up the part one, um, or maybe not, I had this conversation with someone else, sorry. I was telling someone that for me, Broken Beat is more generalized genre, whereas Brook is more, spec- more specific, is within Broken Beat for me. You know, when people call, oh, yeah, don't call it Broken Beat, call it Brook. For me, those two are different because for me, Broken Beat is Jazz and Over remixes. Um, Bugs in the Attic is a mix of Broken Beat and Brook. But for me, the real Brook is, yes, the old school, like Mark Mack and Afronaut and IG Culture, that's Brook. But for me, Brook is characterized by a stronger, more urban, so to speak, Probably influenced by some West Windy Raga um, as well. Um, I might I might be talking gibberish, but this no, is, no, no, not at all, not at all. This is my idea. I think Brook is uh, harder, stronger, more urban, and Broken Beat is more generalized. And Broken Beat um, drinks more, influ- um, in- englobates more influences from uh, maybe Brazil and Latin America that you don't see in real Brook tracks for instance if you know what i mean if you if you get what i'm saying mm. yeah, so, yeah. Um, so because uh, i'm very eclectic i want to believe i thought okay <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna make a show um called eclectic beats and it's going to be a musical journey beat match two hours vinyl only um i've already had my broken beat section subdivided in those seven subgenres, uh organized like like that so I've got my broken beat section. I'm looking at it now. And I've got seven dividers. And each divider is, so the first one is jazz. So jazzy broken beats or broken beats influence with, 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 with jazz. But where I also put my house with the broken beat edge records. And then the second one is soulful broken beats. So the sequence is jazz, soul, funk, Latin, Afro-Brazilian and world music. Sorry, global music. Um, so those are the seven dividers I've got and seven mm-hmm. divisions I've got my, my broken beat records organized as. Uh, but I also have my house records within those categories because let's say if I'm, if I'm DJing or if I'm doing a, a show in a, um, like I was in the beginning, um, I want to be able to find, oh, okay, um, where's that house record I've got? It's got a really jazzy lick on it. Oh, it's on the jazz section. And I go there and I will find it there instead of having stuff all mangled around. Anyway, so this was the concept of the show because I already had my record collection divided in jazz, soul, funk, Latin, African, Brazilian, and global beats. Um, I decided to make a journey of two hours vinyl only, sequential journey. So if you go back to my shows from show number one to around show number 40 or 50, which was the only time that I've managed to do it weekly because it was hard Mm. work doing the video promos and everything, curating it, doing the video promos, tagging everybody, you will notice, and I can can prove this, I can send you my Word document with the track lists of every single show. Um, You will notice that I've started the first track of my first show on Back to Back FM, first Eclectic Beats show. It's a jazzy broken beat track. Um, I think it's Quantic, something from Quantic, um, older Quantic. It's got a kind of a jazzy, but also 
uh, trumpet and brass section. Right. And, and then, and then, if you if you if you listen closely, you know, I even say it sometimes. And from jazz, we're going to go to soul now. So I'm going to play "You Got Me Puzzled" from Kaidi Indigo, which is kind of a soulful broken beat track for me. Mm-hmm. And then to funk, I would play maybe a breakbeat remix from James Brown, some sort of bootleg on Gam Records or something. Sure. And then in Africa, I would go to some fella Kuti re-edit. And then in Brazil, I would go, you know, Babel Gilberto, Tributrio Remix. And then world, well, global, I would pick up. That's that's my most eclectic um, subdivision within my collection, actually, because I've got some some globalized broken beats via On The Corner Records and other labels, you know. Uh, Tom Blip's label has got this O'Flynn um guy that is very really, really su- successful now and um he released a record on on blip discs that is wicked it's kind of a breakbeat with ethnic sounds you know what i mean pan pipes i, I guess or wow okay you know sort of um i i love that and that's that's where my show that's that's what my show used to be sometimes i try and go back but because now i'm so immersed in the Every single one of my shows is monthly and every single one of my monthly shows is a showcase of all the new records I bought during that month. So I've dropped that format and um, I'm a bit gutted because um, I really liked the the format because um, um, usually when I curate my shows, when I used to curate sequentially and when I curate them now, I usually go, Depending on the records I've got, if there are faster BPM records, I will try and curate my show at 125 BPM or 130. People think that I'm, I might be cheating, but it's really hard to, A, uh, do a Facebook live stream and manage that with all the with all the stream cuts and then you having to re-log in because of copyright issues. B, talking the, as, you will, as you are mixing and managing the Facebook live stream, you know, and beat matching records. See, um, so because my turntables have got a percentage pitch bend indicator, I do that um, homework, so to speak, before the show starts. So whenever I'm curating, I'm noting down the records, and I found out that in between 120 and 125 BPMs, every seven records mixed in is half an hour which was perfect to curate shows for two hours, which was the duration of the show and still in. Mm. Sometimes it's more, sometimes it's less because now I'm not connected to a radio station. I feel freer, so to speak. I didn't yeah. ask you that, that question when you asked me to, um, to send you my show. I said, oh, I'm sorry, mate, but sometimes I go under and <laughs> I go over because whenever I, I curate my shows, I don't actually mix them to see if the length is two hours. I just right. put the records to, to, together. I note down the pitch percentages to make it easier for me to be able to manage the live stream, talk to my audience, and beat match and do the, the mixing that I really like, like to do. So um, my shows basically were within when I was in back to back FM. Sometimes I would end up on track twenty six, twenty six, because if it's seven records each half an hour, four times seven, it's twenty eight. 
So sometimes I would go under the 28 record. Sometimes it would be spot on. Sometimes I'd have to play an extra one. Yeah. You no. Know? But the interesting thing about my show is that it's, it's that journey. It's a journey um, on the broken beat planet through the seven continents that are jazz, soul, funk, Latin, Afro, Brazilian, and global music. You know, and that 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 was really that was really a pleasure to to be making, and I had so much fun. It was exhausting managing full time work and doing a weekly show. I have to say, sometimes I would stay up until four or five a.m. Oh. doing it in order to send it to be able to send it the pre recorded, because if I was working on that Monday, I would have to pre record it first, but then tag all the artists on social media mm. and labels. It was hard work. I miss yeah. it, you know, but I prefer to do it monthly now, to be honest, because it gives me more time to my music production as well. But course, yeah, that, yeah, that's where Eclectic Beats um, started. Um, it started as an invitation from um, Del Salerio. Big up, Del, if you're listening. Um, and, uh, you know, and uh, started there. And then after six months, I quit back to back and started, decided to, to, um, decided to start doing it on Facebook because I had contacted other radio stations. But then I thought, you know, I'm way more flexible. I can do my own stuff as well if I'm doing it on my own. Although Facebook is not the best platform for me, for it. Uh, there was a couple of shows that I've tried to go on this Chew.tv website, which was a website for streaming DJs. Um, mm. But then it went down or um, I think it's now relabeled somewhere else but i had a lot of technical difficulties in order to get the stream working so now yeah, do you like, get any copyright issues with facebook yes you do you do mm. um, you do a lot you know because oh, wow, okay. whenever you're pressing live i uh, this is this is one bit of the industry that um I, I i like but i dislike as well because let's face it um i know that artists are making music you know, and are trying to make it, so to speak, by, you know, getting a bit of rec recognition, getting their tracks played and sold, people buying their music, you know. Um, so I get that. And I get the reason why labels would would uh, um, send their waveforms to Facebook for Facebook to build up a bot that will scan all the live streams and if the waveform matches, then you're blocked. I I get that. I get that. But uh, at the same time, I also think that it's a bit greedy from the music industry, especially. Um, I do get the, the copyright sense of, let's say I've got a personal business and I want to use someone's music to make an ad. So I'm going to make revenue by using their music on my advertising because you know, if the music is catchy and is a commercial one, and I, if I didn't ask for any authorization to use yeah. it, okay, I, I to totally and completely agree with copyright laws and issues. But on the other hand, I am a DJ. So if I'm not, as long as I'm not using the records I buy to, to put them on my own adverts for my own company, for instance, you know, but Eclectic Beats is not a company. It's a, a, a pure and simple radio show um, you know, based on Broken Beat, but also goes house music and disco and boogie, if needed. Um, you know, I've played Roy Ayers on one of one of my very, very first shows. And I'm mm. beat, 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 beat matched it in, which made me really proud. I've also, I was also able to beat match um, a Kyoto Jazz 
uh, sextet um, 12 inch that I've got that starts really, really random. Um, you know, because all jazz, most, or most of jazz records, they do, they do, they, they, they are random time wise, you know, and I'm a beat, right, of course. you know, so, um, you know, that's, that's, that's exactly, um, that's exactly what, um, I lost myself now. Jesus. Oh no, we're, we're talking uh, copyright issues and yeah. stuff like that. And sorry, I'm getting way older now. <laughs> <laughs> but if I'm a DJ, um, and if I'm not using it for my own advertising campaign or per- with, with that purpose, I feel that maybe DJs and um, people that have radio shows should get an exemption from Facebook in terms of copywriting. Because look at it. I'm working hard at my job, you know, earning money. And then I'm going to spend all my money on vinyl records because that's the truth. That's where all my money goes. It's records and food and transportation. I don't even buy clothing because I've got enough, you know. Um, Mm. And uh, that's where all my money goes. And um, if I am buying records, supporting the artists, supporting the labels, and on top of that, nobody pays me for me to promote the music on my shows. I play it because I love it or because I, and also because I feel that it, it, it should be uh, shared with the world. Why am I getting copyright strikes? You know, they're not, they are not um, differentiating me from the everyday user because the everyday user could, could, could go, let's say you've got, you've got a laundry business and you're going to make an advert in, you know, you you use someone someone's music. Okay, in that sense, I think it's wrong for you to use the music without paying. Uh, you know, but in the sense of DJs and um, and um, radio show presenters, why why would why why would I get um, a copyright strike? You know, but I also um, I also uh, delved a little bit deeper into this, and I think it's it's not the labels themselves that send the waveforms. Uh, to the Facebook waveform database. And I'm saying Facebook, Instagram's like that as well. I had copyright strikes on Instagram, not for live streaming, but just for um, uh, Dorothy Ashby um, um, reissued album on Sony Music, for instance. It was a Sunday, you know, and I woke up and I saw the record. I was reorganizing one of my bags and I saw the record. Oh, this is lovely. Let me play it. And, um, you know, and I decided to make a little silly video, Sunday music, blah, blah, blah. And I got a copyright strike and my post was, was removed oh, or gosh. muted, you know. Um, on, on Facebook, though, you mentioned that the, the, the software that will detect whether music, uh, whether songs are being played, etc. Can it distinguish between something for like a commercial or like a DJ, uh, like a set, like a live yeah, radio stream. The thing, I mean, I don't know too much about it, but but as right. I was going to say, um, I think it's um, it's a bit a bit of software that Facebook and Twitter and um, Instagram has on their systems that automatically analyzes the waveform. So they um, they those bots and those bits of software will not be able to discriminate if whatever they're listening to, if it says, um, Fredinho laundry, come and do your laundry in uh, blah, 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 in Fredinho's laundry, so to speak. And then if that bit of music comes in, and if that bit of music matches the waveform that is on the, on the software bots at their 
headquarters or something, you get muted, you know, the stream gets yeah. interrupted. But as I was saying, I don't think it's actually the label well. Sony Music and Warner, the big ones, yes, they contact people directly because they're big enough to do that. Yeah. I think I had I had my streams cut um, from records that I wasn't expecting from indie labels here in the UK. And what I think it is, because I've tried to delve a little bit deeper, dig a bit deeper in terms of this knowledge, why these things happen. And I think there are several distribution companies that labels um, approach to distribute their product that has got that in their packages already. They are the ones contacting YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram and say uh, they might charge them a fee for that service, you know, and that's included okay. in the distribution package. So because I had this, – this is a funny one. In Birmingham, my mate, um, Urban Dubs, um, you know, uh, they do a live stream on Facebook and they were playing their own tracks. Uh, uh, a guy called Jeremy, a guy, the sir, the legend, that is Jeremy Sylvester, UK garage legend, right? Yeah. Um, he, he, he kind of uh, runs the place with them. Christian Bailey, big up to both of you yourselves, Brookingham Massive. Um, and um, it was ridiculous because I was watching one of their live streams and Jeremy Sylvester was playing one of his tracks that was released <laughs> on his label. And the stream got cut. Oh, the stream got cut with their own material. And that's why, because I think the distribution company that, that they put the, the tracks to be distributed had that sort of packet that contacts all the streaming services, you know, like Facebook, uh, wherever you've got a live stream, you know, they already do that as a package, you know, and, Artists might not even know that. So Jeremy Sylvester was playing his own track and he got he got the stream cut from his oh, own sweet, track. How sweet, ridiculous, sweet irony. Oh, how ridiculous is that? You know what I mean? So I also think I get it. There's um there's there's a lot of um old school DJs like myself, maybe uns maybe the most un unsuccessful ones that might be labeled as seen as haters because they're frustrated that all these new DJs are coming up. Um, they might claim that, oh, yeah, Facebook, yeah, you're a Facebook DJ, blah, 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 so to speak. You know, I can call myself a Facebook DJ as well because my show is on Facebook. But, but you know, I, I think there's a lot of, there's, there's a lot of, um, um, oh, what's the word? Preconceito, um, prejudice right. against new talent. And Facebook is a bit responsible for, in a good way, in my opinion, to showcase new talent, you know, through the boiler room, uh, through um, people doing people doing live streams from from their bedroom. Why not? You know, mm. why? Just because you've been DJing for twenty or thirty years, and maybe you weren't that su that successful. Why are you to criticize this new talent? Okay, I have to confess, there is a lot of um, less quality open uh, commerce DJs out there. And most of them, you can do, you, you, you do find them on these platforms. But, you know, I think, I think still Facebook should differentiate from people that actually buy music, like myself, you know. Obviously, that would be complicated to tell. How could Facebook tell that I am the sort of DJ that I buy music and other DJs just rip off stuff off of Soulseek, 
or get it downloaded uh, yeah. illegally and don't even buy music and then they do their DJ sets and radio shows from their bedrooms. You know what I mean? Yeah. So there's um, it's fifty fifty really, but I think it's I think it's a good thing that Facebook and the streaming platforms exist because there's a lot of new talent. You know, we were, I was, you know, twenty years ago. I was a kid as well. You know, and I was I was never a new talent. But someone saw me as new talent, you know, and got me to my residency. So I don't think it's a bad thing. The only bad thing is that there's a lot of people that just want to be DJs for the hype of it. And then they don't pay attention to, for me, what is the main thing about DJing is your musical culture and education and selection. Technique, you can you can learn that. But for me, the deeds of a good DJ, and when I'm saying DJ through these parameters, I'm also saying selector, you know, mm-hmm. um, is selection, is selection purely, you know, you, you've got David Rodigan, you've got, you've got, you know, the UK is massive on that culture, man. You know, the <laughs> rare groove culture, the, 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 um, the West Indies culture, the carnival, you know, mm-hmm. not a lot of people beat match, you know, and that doesn't mean that they're not great DJs. They are, but I do get what people are saying that, Facebook has contributed to a lot of rubbish coming out, you know, but maybe people that are rubbish, you know, maybe they will be, maybe they will, maybe they will realize that maybe they just started DJing for the hype and not for the real passion that it is. And, you know, people, people come and go and people stay. So I think it's healthy to have all sorts of people. I'm not, you know, I'm not um, criticizing this new talent that is actually not that good, you know. I think they should exist as well. But truth to be said, Facebook is a bit responsible for the advent of so many DJs. Well, before that, I think CDJs, and people are going to hate on me now. <laughs> I'm a final freak. And I think CDJs, they didn't kill the DJ industry, as some people say. I don't think that. I'm not that radical. But I do think that the digital DJing has brought more easiness of people to um, to um, become a DJ. Maybe the old school music producers that use analog synths and don't, don't use computers at all could sort of have the same criticism in terms of me being an Ableton Live producer. You know, I don't even have VST sounds. I need to change that, by the way. But, you know, I use my library from Ableton, the Live Suite that I, I bought. And that's why I love to if I'm going to my mate Tom Funk studio, it takes me 45 minutes to get there, and I'm sitting on the tube and I'm making music on on the tube. How cool is that? Yes, yeah, um, absolutely. I mean, that's yeah, like you mentioned about the CDJs. I mean, that being the next sort of evolutionary step in terms of DJing. Uh, you know, being a digital electronic DJ, the 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 world, the realms of possibility that it opens up as a music maker and a DJ. The fact you can sit down with a laptop and nothing else and create a two-hour show with nothing but mp3s i mean it's an incredible era i suppose but my next question to you was going to be about vinyl funny enough so mm-hmm. like I, I obviously you're renowned as a as a vinyl junkie but <laughs> i guess my my question to you is why what is it about vinyl that you've gravitated towards and and stuck to what is it what's the fascination of of that medium for you well um it comes from when i was crawling in my mom and dad's living room, you know, 
from part one interview, uh, you know, mm-hmm. um, where I say that I was four or five and I was crawling in my mom, mom and dad's living room and they were playing records and they have a, a bunch of um, seven inches. And I remember I was so fascinated by by the shape of it, by how uh, luminescent they were, uh, the, the black crack, as someone calls it, you know. Uh, you know, it's the grooves. You could see the grooves. And I felt, I felt that it was so fascinating that you, how can something circular be put on a spinning platter and you just put a stylus on it and it creates sound and it creates warmer sound. People are going to hate me on this mm. as well. <laughs> they I, won't. No, I think a lot more people listening will resonate you know, with what you're saying. I'm not, I'm not against digital, digital uh, formats. No, you know, by, mm. by all means, a lot of new talent that you see nowadays came through via SoundCloud, you know, yeah. Because they were uploading their tracks on SoundCloud and not even releasing them physically, you know, digitally, and people got renowned for that. So I'm not dissing on that. I'm not dissing on the creative digital DJs as well, because you can be extremely creative with just digital tools. But for me, vinyl sounds way warmer. You know, I'll tell you what. Yesterday, um, I haven't, you know, I haven't turned my turntables on for since I left Portugal before Christmas. And yesterday I was listening to um to the the records I bought the last record I still haven't bought any record in 2020 can you believe it yay <laughs> <laughs> this oh, is progress by <laughs> January anyway I was opening up I was opening up the the the, the orders I got from um, from last year and um, so I've switched I switched my um, turntables on and my mixer to my speakers to my beautiful Genelec monitors which I also used to produce as well. And uh, I actually ended up, you know, the minute I put one of the record on the turntable, I pushed the fader up and I put the needle on the record. And it was a house record from a Portuguese friend of mine, Jorge Caiado. He's on Groovement. And I don't usually buy house, but, you know, it's Portuguese. I like to support my, my mates and people from my country too. And I thought, yeah, I'm going to buy this house record. I'm actually playing a tune out of it on my next show because it's very wicked. It's kind of a house with a broken beat edge. But the moment I put the stylus on the record and I hear the boom, 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 so much warmer than my one of the tracks played via iTunes into the mixer. Do you know what I mean? And yeah, yeah. it's the physicality of it. It's, um, It's, you know... When you're choosing records, it's there's nothing like it. It's like a ritual. Your fingers, crate digging, you know, uh, versus finding stuff on your Serato where you can use the search function, you know. And you have to. There's also the that um, visual memory thing for me, where you know a record by how the cover looks, and just by looking at the cover, you know what the record is immediately. Whereas if you're rummaging through files and you don't see the cover, you know, it's it's harder to, oh, what am I going to play next? You know what I mean? You might remember a track or two, but for me it's different. And I've got a funny story as well. When I was a kid, um, my mom and dad had around 107-inch singles um, um, on the floor of that living room, and they were, you know, they were all in a stack. And um, I've organized them alphabetically. This, I'm not. I'm not lying to you. I was probably five 
or six. Um, and I've managed to organize them alphabetically with, um, and I've put all the, the seven inches with the A side facing when, because whenever you were going to pick a record up and picked it out of the cover, you would get the A side all lined up with the name of the artist, you know, everything straight. And I remember uh, one of my mom's sisters, my uncle, he would come up to have a chat, catch up with my mom and dad. And he would love to mess up my collection. Oh, no. You know? Yeah. He would, <laughs> he, would, he, would, um, he would come to my living room and, you know, uh, you know, do that little cuddle in the head. Hey, kiddo, how are you doing? And then, oh, I see you've organized your record collection. I'm going, I'm going to ruin it for you. So he would pick up all the hundred records and put them all on the floor and mess them up, take them out of the oh. covers. And put in two piles, one pile of covers and another pile of just records. And I was furious at him and screaming at him, don't do that to my collection, sort of thing. And then he would go. This was a game to him, right? But he would go and speak to my mom and dad. And after like half an hour, 45 minutes, he would come back. And my 45 singles collection was tidy and reorganized as it was in the beginning. And he would come back just to see it. And he was like, how the hell can this kid do this? Such a bright kid with just five years old, blah, de, blah, de, blah, you know. And that's the reason I think why I like vinyl, because I was so much in touch with it since, since my early stages. Um, but then, then when I started DJing at Sociedad Anonima in 1990, the CD advent came through. And that's where I mistakenly sold my two Technics turntables. And I gave almost all my vinyl records back then. They, they, they weren't great music anyway. It was mostly Portuguese and rock pop music. Um, I gave them all away to my local radio station because I thought the CD is the future. I will never go back to vinyl. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then I decided to go back to vinyl because I missed <laughs> it so much, you know. Yeah, I think it's the format. It's the physicality but it's also the ritual. It's the crate digging action and hate me as much as you want. It's a much more superior sound than any digital file in the world. Thank you. <laughs> we have to applaud. <laughs> oh my God. I'm, I'm passing, I am, I am passing um, a very harsh image of my own self to the, to, the, to my listeners. Um, I think it's the age as well. You know, you, you kind of get, you, you get, you get less younger, as I like to put it. You get less younger. You kind of get, you know, sort of with this mini wise bits of your life throughout your experience, you know? Uh, and, you know, I might come across as, as a pretentious person. Um, I mean, <laughs> no, I don't think so. Well, yeah, sometimes I can be, I think we can all be a bit pretentious sometimes, you know, without even noticing it. But, I'd like to think that I'm I'm an, a humble, genuine, honest character. But here I am. This is the the very Portuguese bit of me trying to please everybody. You can't please everybody, you know. <laughs> um, so I'm just being myself, I guess. But yes, vinyl uh, vinyl killed the MP3 industry, as I saw on the brilliant uh, slip mat somewhere. Very good. Uh, I like that a lot, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Do you, um, how do you sort of, do you stream out of interest? Do you sort of, in terms of music that you consume at all, do you stream or Spotify listener or anything like that? 
no, I don't support those. I don't, and I'll also tell you why. Um, as much as SoundCloud was beneficial to the, to the music scene, I think Spotify is beneficial too, but not as beneficial because of the ridiculously low amount of money they pay to artists, you know? Right. And that's why I do have a Spotify account. I don't use it. I used to be a paying member, but as I was saying, in the same way that SoundCloud was beneficial to the, to the music scene, I think Spotify is too, because now it's really easy for anybody to just log into a computer and put Spotify on and have music playing for the rest of the afternoon if they're working, you know what I mean? And um, when I was at work, I think it was at Fremantle uh, last year, someone was playing a Spotify playlist from someone and actually ended up buying two records off of their Spotify playlist. But that's the thing as well for me. Not everything on Spotify is released physically. Here I am being a vinyl snob. I tend to get my uh, mailing lists from Juno Records, from Phonica, from Sons of the Universe. And that's, that's my source of whatever new music is released. Then the digital platforms, Facebook, I follow artists, remixes and labels pages, but also on Instagram and also on Twitter. So that's my main source of buying new music. And, uh, you know, excuse me if I'm going to sound as a snob, but, you know, I had this chat with a, a mate of mine on Facebook. He keeps on sending me clips um, of new tracks that he finds. And I'm like, mate, I can't, can't find this physical. Is this, where is this from? And he said, oh, this is from SoundCloud. And I go, oh, now I go, oh, damn, it's a great track. <laughs> it's not on vinyl. I know how, how expensive it is to press on vinyl. So I'm being stupidly snobbish. I know I am. But that's, that's how I narrow down as well my selections. Because if you were to listen to everything, I'm even narrowing down my, my emailing lists from Juno Records, you know, because of that. Because if I was to receive house and broken beat and hip-hop and drum and bass daily emailings, it would take me at least an hour to be able to listen to all the new music and not to mention the amount of money I would end up spending. You know what I mean? So yeah. that's why I don't support Spotify either. I don't listen to music on Spotify. I don't listen to music on Tidal. I don't listen to music on Google Play or Amazon Music because of that. Bandcamp is the only digital platform that I support, you know, right. and I uh, regularly buy music there. A few digital files that I bought that are not on vinyl, bought them on Bandcamp or Juno Download. So, yeah, I think it's it's very unfair. You just look at the revenue of Spotify and then you look at how much artists get paid. It's ridiculous. So... I'm sorry, I don't support it. Mm. I was considering, I was considering put putting my releases on iTunes from my label and um and on Amazon and Spotify and all of that. I'm going to sleep over it, but I'm going to have to sleep over a month, you know, thinking <laughs> about it every day because I think it's very unfair, Imran. I don't I don't know your take on it, your opinion, but my opinion is it's very good for them for the for the Joe public to be able to access uh, lots of new music, but for artists and for labels, it's not that good. You know, mm -hmm. maybe it's good because it gets them more exposure as well, and people might end up buying their stuff. But I prefer not to support it. 
So I choose not to use those platforms. For okay. now, maybe it will change. Maybe. Let's see. Well, that, I mean, it's kind of, right. So this is, I'm going to really annoy you now, but this yeah. is sort of a perfect point to, I guess, end. But I, I mean, I, there, again, I've, I've, in a couple of weeks, you want to chat again? Because I would love to talk about Eclectic Beats music. Because... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think this has been this is concise. This is a this is a good like length, and we've had a good chat about DJing and vinyl yeah. and stuff, and that's great. But I suppose the other thing I'd like to talk to you about, which we won't go into now, but um, I think uh, talking about like eclectic beats music, but also how you, as someone who wants to start a label in 2020, how you feel, how you're going to have to accommodate like a Spotify crowd how you think of you know being a vinyl junkie how you know what challenges are you going to face but that's a very lengthy conversation perhaps so if you're up for it in a couple maybe two or three weeks would you be up for having another chat yeah man of course okay this is very cool look this is gonna be our regular tuesdays now every week Tuesdays with imran and rifredinho brilliant excellent all right well i tell you what let's wrap up this episode that's been perfect i've again so enjoyed it yeah really great insight i always really enjoy it um did you have you i'm gonna trap you again uh for a closing song have you have you had the moment to consider what it might be it could be anything in the world last song you heard last song you bought anything i woke up up this morning thinking about it but now that part three coming yeah maybe this doesn't make sense but i'm gonna i'm gonna ask you to play it anyway because it's probably the record that never left my bag since it was out. And yes, you guessed it. It's Quantic. Happening, but the Quantic beat mix on the 12 that goes on the A side. So Quantic, of Mishaps Happening as well, yeah. of the title track. Quantic, Wonderful. Quantic beat mix. The B side's got a Don't Joke with Hungry Man Domo remix, which is also uh, a huge classic. That's why that record hasn't left my bag. It's yeah. so worn out. I had to buy a copy. <laughs> it's true. I'll show you. If we ever meet one day, I'll show you my first copy. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. The, the, my, my, my two mostly worn out copies are two records from two points. One is that one, Quantic, mm-hmm. Mishaps Happening. And the other one is Jumbonics, Jezebel, the Diesler mix on that. Oh, my gosh. The Diesler, absolutely. Yeah, yeah great that picks. Wow. Is, that is... I've bigged him up so many times, Diesler, you know. <laughs> I did. Um, and I, uh, I'm actually going to listen to the, to the Sean Khan uh, podcast because I'm really curious. You mentioned it last week. Yeah, I, yeah. I, th- I, think you, I think you'd like it. He Obviously, he comes, he's really known now as a sort of a contemporary jazz yeah. uh, saxophonist yeah. producer, but he's yeah. with SK Radicals. He, he talks, it's so, I didn't think he'd, he'd be so open to talking about SK Radical era, era and his work with Dazzy Q and KD. And it's so cool that he kind of spent as much time in, in, got, in that record, era. I've got record from, S, from SK Radicals. Uh, yeah. And I only knew that it was Sean Khan after I came to London, you know. So, right yeah yeah i worked backwards i w- i got into his second album muriel i think f- with far oh, out and yeah. then i when i started to re- research who he was then it took me back to sk radicals but uh yeah he's amazing he was a a, a dream chat like yeah. it's really he's been very supportive of the conversation as yeah, well I'm, like I'm, it was, yeah, I'm, very I'm, full on. I'm going to listen to that that would be wonderfully appreciated sir thank you very much yeah. i thought okay this is going to be part two and last part so I'm going to have to choose a kind of broken beat record that 
um, means the world to me. That's it. Quantic mishaps happening, the quantic beat mix on true thoughts. Please. <laughs>